This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we're a month away from the NLL draft, so we might as well continue to look at the prospects. Reed Bowery could hear his name as early as number three, and the three-time BC Junior Defender of the Year is excited to get things going. We'll talk prospects and more right here on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans? Happy Thursday. We are officially a month away from the National Lacrosse League draft, the virtual draft. Live from Philadelphia, north of Peterborough, my living room, and countless computer screens around the world. I hope you'll join us. It's going to be a fun-filled, interesting and I'm sure at many times, chaotic night. If you want to get a hold of me at the show, you can find me on the Instagrams, OTCB Podcast. We're on Twitter, at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I am your host. Thank you for stopping by. Bit of a heat wave going on out on the West Coast, but it's starting to cloud over and unfortunately when we get these crazy heats and clouds coming in back and forth it often means thunder and lightning storms and while those may be very powerful and exciting to watch when you live up in the interior of British Columbia where it's incredibly dry it often leads to forest fires so want to give a heartfelt thoughts and prayers to everybody who's up in the interior of BC as they fight forest fire after forest fire uh, please stay safe. I know Curtis Waggers just moved up into that area. Del Halliday has a winery up there. Uh, it is not. It is a beautiful part of the country, one of the most beautiful parts of BC. But unfortunately, at this time of year, when the weather is hot and we get these thunder and lightning storms, forest fires are a savage, savage beast, and they are incredibly hard to fight, incredibly hard to contain, and it takes a lot of Man, woman, human power to get them under control. So please stay safe up there in the interior of the province and to all those doing they can to fight the fires. Uh, please, thank you for everything you're doing and, and stay safe. We need, you all, need all of you to come back. We are a month away from the NLL draft. And we will get to that. And we will talk with Reed Bowery. But for those of you that know me, know that I am a yoga teacher on the side. A couple times a week, it's what I do. It's been something that's been part of my life for better part of the last decade. And usually when I have my classes, I like to have either a word of the day or a thought of the day. And today's word of the day was comity. C-O-M-I-T-Y. And... I found it very interesting that it was the word of the day for me when I looked it up, just because of all the things that it means, all the things that this world is going through right now that, you know, really has a correlation and essentially it means mutual courtesy or civility. And I think this kind of etched more into my brain after listening to Jake Elliott's comments on the U.S. lacrosse, Iroquois lacrosse issue 
um, his run-in with a lady at Starbucks. I think it became more prevalent after seeing the video from Game 6 of the NBA Finals with Masai Ujiri, who is the Toronto Raptors president, and after he got in the altercation with the police officer, and if those of you who remember the story, when it happened, the police officer accused Masai Ujiri of punching him and being the aggressor, which we can now see by the video camera and body camera footage that that wasn't true. But the fact and the ideals of comedy and mutual courtesy and civility in this day and age, and with everything we're going through, just hits a little harder. And maybe it's because where I live here in Victoria, there is a homeless camp basically growing by day right across the street from me. And more and more, I am seeing people with mental illnesses and drug addictions walking around the streets of Victoria. And unfortunately, with that comes a lot of negative energy and emotions and attitude towards those people. And I get it. I'm often frustrated with the people who are living in my park as well. But to have that mutual courtesy for your fellow human being, give people a bit of a break. And the fact that 2020 has been so gosh darn wild and unexpected and crazy and keeps hitting you with punch after punch after punch. We all need to be able to just step back, take a breath, and be a little bit nicer to each other. I end all my yoga classes with the same two lines. Share your smile with a stranger and be excellent to each other. I use be excellent to each other at the end of every podcast. Because it's truly how I feel we should treat everybody. And so I hope that as we continue to go through 2020 and this pandemic era, that we can still find some comedy and still find some civility and some courteousness to everybody that we come in contact with. If you see someone who's having a bad day, reach out to them, see if you can help. Little things like we always taught when we were younger to help someone across the road, open a door, help them with their bags, things like that. But then it goes beyond that. And respecting people's cultures and their rights and their beliefs It's becoming more and more prevalent in this day and age that we can see one side, but we don't see the other. We need to be able to see both sides. You don't have to believe the other side. But I think if we come to the ideals that both people can have a belief and we don't have to agree with it, I get that. That is probably how most of life is going to go. But I really believe that we can get through this without tearing each other's arms off. And without resorting to calling people out and making a spectacle of things that don't need to be blown out of proportion. There is a lot of crap going on in our world right now. I get that. And there are a lot of fights that are being weighed across social medias that have a lot of weight to them. But until you truly know both sides and everything that's going on, 
we still need to just take pause. I think what U.S. lacrosse said and did and, and worded in their donation thing with the Iroquois lacrosse and all of the native tribes we talked about last week was flat out disrespectful and wrong. I think the ideals of the Iroquois lacrosse being in the world games and the initial anger that was out there because of that ruling was justified, but we didn't know everything that went behind that. And so people were jumping at throats when really behind the scenes there were some sti still some things going on to try to get this process in place. Yes, all of our voices collectively helped get to the point where now world sport or the world games have said the Iroquois are welcome if and there are some ifs and there are some buts but we helped get to that point and we did it peacefully and properly by using our voices now let's let the chain of command work its magic and let's let people do their thing we don't need to continually go at people there's enough stress in this world as it is. And I have serious FOMO watching all these sports on TV and not having my lacrosse. And so maybe that pent-up aggression can lead to sometimes our voices going a little too extreme. We have a beautiful place here called Earth that we need to take care of in so many ways. But let's just have that comedy and that civility and that courteousness to our fellow human beings. Give people a break. Give them some space. And help them when you can. It's what humans do. We are good people by nature. Let's make sure we continue that way. All right, let's get to some lacrosse stuff. The NLL draft is a month away. Legit, straight up, a month away. I'm thoroughly excited for what we are going to bring you as a draft product across BR Live, YouTube, Facebook. And I hope that you will tune in. 7 o'clock Eastern, live from multiple different places. <laughs> Devin Caney, Steven Stamp, myself, Tabitha Turner will be on the broadcast. We will have guests as best we can. We're going to try to make sure we get all the draftees, coaches, GMs, all that stuff. It's not going to be a pristine, crystal clear, no hiccup process. As much as I would love to be, I, something's going to go wrong. And it's not going to be bad, but there's just going to be a glitch somewhere. It's going to happen. But it's going to be an awesome time. And there are going to be a lot of kids sitting anxiously waiting for their name to be called. Around this time of year, I always reflect where I was waiting on the eve of a WLA playoff game. Sitting at home with my parents. And being able to hear my name called was an incredible, incredible feeling. And so now this year, we all know that Jeff Teat's going number one. Again, we can all agree on that. Pencil it in. Start making the jerseys. But once we get to two, 
and we start going down, then I truly believe we're going to get a lot of coin flips. And I think that's going to add to some very interesting moments of this draft because there are going to be some teams that are going to be in a real tough position when it comes to their draft pick. And I think a lot of teams will know who they want at that point, especially the first few picks. But what happens if the team in front of them takes the guy that they want and now they have to make a decision? Or what if they're just still not decided by the time they get there? Case in point. We go Jeff Teat number one at number two. The Rochester Nighthawks are probably flip-flopping between Jeff Henrik and Ryan Smith. And if it's either one of those two guys, the other guy could easily drop from the number two hole to like the number five, six, or seven spot. Just because of the teams that are drafting, the teams, the team needs that are coming are going to be happening. Because if, say, Smith falls to two or to three, as highly touted as he is, Vancouver probably wouldn't take Smith over a guy like Bowering or Leclerc. So now that would drop Smith down another spot. So now he goes to number four. Does San Diego want a guy like Ryan Smith? Well, maybe they want a guy like Reed Bowering or Trey LeClaire. So Smith could fall even further. Trey LeClaire, if he doesn't go three, could fall. And that is just going to be an, inc- an incredible part in this draft is to watch some of these guys that are in the top five. And we can e- probably say your top five are Teat, Henrik, Smith, LeClaire, Bowering. No particular order of the last four, just the names that popped off my head. You could probably ask most of the GMs, and they would say that those are the top five guys in this draft right now. And after Teat, any of those four guys could go number two. Now, it's probably more likely that Henrik or Smith go to, being is that it's Rochester. And it's more than likely that in the number three spot for Vancouver that it's either LeClaire or Bowering, depending on who's there. San Diego would probably want a Western guy, but if Jeff Henrik is there, still available at number four, then they could definitely take him because he was the Orangeville junior captain and has a great relationship with the coaching staff already. But if San Diego takes Reed Bowering or Trey LeClaire or a Western guy, that could leave Henrik all the way down to the number five spot. And that's Calgary. And Calgary would love to have a guy like Jeff Henrik. But you also know they would probably love a guy like Tanner Cook. Now we get into the second grouping of guys that starts to find their names in this process. And guys probably won't drop because of character or because of off-floor issues. Guys are going to drop because of team needs. And so you could see one of those top five prospects get picked outside of the top five. And it's not because they aren't good, they aren't good people, or they aren't going to be studs in the NLL. 
but because the team that's drafting in that spot doesn't have a spot for them. Drafts are a wild, wild beast. And as often as you think you can, or as often as you can mock draft it and think you've got it down, one wrong pick in your mock draft can throw the rest of it off. Steven Stamp, I don't know what he went last year, but maybe out of like the first 20, I think he maybe had like three wrong. Obviously, we all kind of got that first one wrong because we all thought Q was going to go one, not Gibson. But after that, he was pretty damn spot on. And I have probably done like four or five mock drafts already. Even just like the top 10 guys. And 90% of the draft is different. It's just crazy because the top guy drops, and we, we talked about it last week with the old cliche of we're going to take the best guy available. Well, sometimes the best guy available is not the best guy for your team. Zvir stacked with right-handers, and you're looking at a big-bodied right-hander staring you right in the face, but you need a lefty. You're not going to take that righty just because he's the best player available. You're going to take the lefty that you need. So there are going to be some decisions. And without, I think I might have said this last week, without having the, quote, draft day floor, unquote, it is going to make wheeling and dealing on draft day very difficult. Because if you remember last year's draft, it was like, what, five hours? And we had like five minutes between picks in the first round, first and second round, that dropped to like three minutes and then two minutes and... By the time we got to Georgia in the last round, they just didn't care and they voided their pick. The talk was that they were going to try and shorten the time between rounds coming into this year's draft. But the fact that there's no draft floor and GMs are going to have to be communicating via phones or texts, whatever it may be, that's going to create a longer dialogue time. And we may see teams use their timeouts a little more often in the first few rounds. Just so that they can have those few extra moments to either talk through a trade or just make sure they're making the right pick. I'm, I'm super excited. I've talked to all the GMs this past week for some NLL stuff that we're doing and the one consensus that I got, or there's a couple consensus that I got. Um, one, when I asked all the GMs if they had a wild card player in the draft, someone that's floating around, you know, later on that they would love to get their hands on. And I'm sure they probably didn't want to divulge too much information. But the growing consistent answer was you're probably not going to find a diamond in the rough out of the Canadian player pool. The diamond in the roughs are going to come from the American college kids. Even the ones that may have a little bit of box experience already, those guys are still a bit of an unknown. But once you get a little deeper into those, like, Ament, Costable, um, Sours, well, I think Sours might have played up in Canada for a bit. But still, even a guy like Michael Sowers, even a guy like uh, O'Keefe, 
You just don't know. But And so we are going to see Americans drafted, and we might even see one taken in the first round. And if someone does take an American in the first round, it's probably going to be John Arlotta because he has four picks in the first round. Mind you, for all that don't know, this is a asterisk to put on the number 10 pick in your mock draft pools. By September 1st, Georgia has to declare whether they are going to use that number 10 pick or if they are going to use Toronto's first round pick next year. It was part of a conditional pick they have to decide. So they're either going to have number 10 this year or they're going to have Toronto's first rounder next year. If they don't take the number 10 pick this year, Buffalo then has picks 9 and 10. And Georgia would only have three picks. But still, I think if anyone takes an American in the first round, it'll be Georgia. And my inkling kind of wants to say costable, but as John Arlotta would say, sometimes as much as he loves the Notre Dame guys, their job offers that they're getting out of school are just too lucrative to pass up. And so their time in the NLL isn't as um, richly filled. But I think if you could get Costable to play indoors, he would be an absolute freak. I think J. Jow Bear style, two-way NLL guy. But let's move on. Reed Bowering. Another guy that could see his name go as high as number three. And depending on how things go, could slip to five. I don't think he gets through Vancouver, San Diego, Calgary. Vancouver could take him because he is an incredible two-way guy, can play both sides of the floor, and is a local mainland guy that is just beaming with confidence and talent. San Diego could take him for the exact same reasons, but also they continue to need real solid two-way guys. And the Orangeville coaching staff is very familiar with Reed Bowering, having played against him many, many times in Minto Cups. And Calgary could definitely take him because Kurt Miloski knows Reed Bowering very well, having gone through the Coquitlam system and coached him in team on Team BC as well. Reed Bowering is an absolute stud. He is going to be an incredible lacrosse player in the NLL whenever he gets here. He is going back to Drexel, but he's still out here on the West Coast, and we caught up with him before he has to head back. He's Reed Bowering, a projected top five pick right here on OTCB. Reed, how are you, my man? Doing great. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic. Uh, it's been a wild and crazy summer. How are you getting on without lacrosse? Uh, honestly, I've been just playing lacrosse on my own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, taking some time, just kind of, you know, hang out, uh, relax, you know uh rest my body because you yeah, haven't been able to do that in a long time but it's, it's been kind of nice so i'd say i'm ready to play with her now. absolutely obviously you'll be heading back to drexel soon you're still at home in coquitlam uh what's the plan for you uh to go back to school and, and when are you expected on campus uh plan is around like september 19th to go back to school uh still trying to find out where i'm gonna live though it's been, it has been a crazy summer for sure 
you still don't have a place to live yet. Is that a school issue or is that just because of the whole COVID thing and trying to find a place that'll take it? Oh, well, just because I know I was going back for a little while. Ah, right. That's it. And then I've just been kind of late on it, but uh, I'm closing in on the apartment soon, hopefully. You got a couple of teammates that'll take you in if you can't find a spot? Yeah, yeah. I got backup plans. What was the, or who was the driving point that that got you to Drexel? Because there's been uh, a lot of Canadians that go down there. There's a lot of Canadians still going there. And obviously, uh, you're very familiar with Ben McIntosh, who was an alumni there. But what, who was the one that, that got you down to the Dragons? Um, I would say it's kind of a combination of everyone. Like, I I love that there have been some guys from my hometown of Coquitlam who have gone there. Uh, at the time, Cole Schaefer was a senior, so that played a big part. And Marshall King from the island uh, was there and going to be there for a few years while I was there. So that also played a big factor. Just having some familiar names was uh, pretty important to me. Was it an easy choice to go back this year for your fifth year? Sorry, what was that? Was it an easy choice to go back this year, given that fifth year? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's easy. I mean, you know, I I was totally expecting, you know, after four years, I was going to be done. Uh, and I, you know, wanted to kind of, you know, get going with life, not be in school. But I felt like I kind of, I had to do it, uh, that it would be better for me in the future, you know, to get a master's degree. And, uh, and then also, I just wanted to finish that last year out right lacrosse-wise, too, with all my buddies and everything. Yeah, that's the that's the special moment. You know, your last year of junior, your last year of college eligibility, you want to be able to to have those memories. What have been some of the best memories you've had at Drexel so far? Um, I would say, I mean, my freshman year when we beat Hofstra when they were undefeated, that was that was one that kind of sticks out because they they hadn't lost yet. Um, we kind of needed to win that game to get into the two playoffs, and we came down from like seven goals at halftime so that was a big one uh and then i mean playing in the CAA championship uh my junior year was pretty big although we lost but getting there was a fun experience too the college life is one that more and more canadians are taking advantage of what would you what advice would you give to the next group of kids that are going to be going down to school this year for their first year yeah, I mean, it's a special opportunity. I know a lot of guys, lacrosse guys from, like, Canada, my area, and, like, back east, you know, we get this opportunity, but it really is something special that not a lot of people uh, get to do. So you just got to take advantage of every day and just appreciate that you're there. I think, you know, one thing that I always thought going into it was, like, I could be back home going to school somewhere and not like have all these great luxuries of being in the States and being a, you know, a big university. So just appreciating that and then realizing like this opportunity is something special. So take advantage of it while you can. You get into the big city a lot while you're down there on weekends? Uh, not every weekend, but it's fun to go uh, watch some sports games for sure. Uh, especially when people are in town, like to check out all the restaurants, which is awesome. I do love the city of Philly for sure. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess this is the next obvious question. What's the best cheesesteak place? For me, I it's called the Reading Terminal Market, and in there is a place called Molly Malloy's. That's that's been my favorite so far. But Mo- I mean, Molly Malloy's, Molly Malloy's, yeah, Molly Malloy's. It's a restaurant inside the Reading Terminal Market. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's been my favorite. 
Uh, you, you said you're going to get you're working on your master's. Uh, what are you taking that in? Uh, gonna get my MBA. I, uh, oh, nice. I'm the business administration. I haven't uh, chosen a concentration yet, but hopefully after my first term, I'll figure that out. Nice. Um, as you mentioned a few times, you're a Coquitlam native. You're part of the the, the Coquitlam pipeline that's just been churning out NLL products year after year after year. Uh, but you've had the benefit of being coached by two of the greats, two guys that that I grew up playing against, and, and Pat Coyle and Kurt Miloski. Yeah. What have you learned from them in your years of junior that is going to help you in your next stage? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, especially from Pat, is, like, the mindset that you need to have to be successful and, like, and win at the big stage. There's all these things you can prepare, like, with your body and, you know, training, but if your mind isn't at the right spot, you know, there's you're, you're probably, you know, not putting yourself in the best position to win. So I think – my mindset and just being able to fight through challenges, whether you're hurt, tired, uh, having that mindset, I think is what will help me at the next level. And what lessons did most instill in you? Because there's probably a few. Yeah, I mean, he, he only coached me once for uh, TBC, but... Oh, okay, yeah. It, yeah, he was just... I mean, I remember he was so intense, you know, he didn't <laughs> let you relax during practice. So, honestly, I still, like, if I'm practicing, you know, it's full intensity, no no days off if, if we're practicing, not taking anything lightly. You know, he's, if you've got a water break, you're running to the water. You're not walking with uh, with Kurt. So that's something I, I've kind of carried on. i got to ask you this question. You played 47 games uh, of junior during the regular season. How the hell did you win three Defender of the Year awards? I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an answer for you. That's Beyond me, I, there's obviously guys who can win it every year. So, I mean, it is an honor to win it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> do you think? Do you think your 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 defensive transition style is going to translate to the NLL game, or do you think you're going to be more of a an attack forward type player like you are in college? Oh, uh, I I think I'm definitely going to start off on the D end and then push yeah. it in transition, but I think. You know, maybe why some teams might like me is because I can, you know, play both. And if they if they need a, a hole to fill, whether someone's hurt or not, yeah, you know, can kind of go both ways. So, but I'm open to doing anything. I love playing both positions. So, yeah. Is there a guy you've modeled your game after, or when you look at some of the guys that are in the pros right now, do you say that's the kind of game that I play? Um, I don't I don't think there's anything like exactly, but if I, if I had to choose. Maybe someone like, you know, Challen Rogers or like Zach Carrier, who kind of like, you know, can do it both ways and Allen's on loose balls, that type of player. What's your local box there in Coquitlam? Because we've heard of Rochester box and Sonny Smith and all the others. What was your box growing up? Uh, mine, let me think. I would say the one I went to the most would be Monday Park there. One yeah. Monday Park. Yeah. And that was just you and all the boys all the time, every day during the summer and after school, just chucking the rock around? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Who are the guys you grew up with? Sorry, what was that? Who are the guys that you grew up with? Um, I mean, I, I grew up kind of, I didn't go to the same high school as most of the guys in Coquitlam. I went to high school in Port Coquitlam. But okay. I, you know, guys like Dan Armstrong, uh, you know, 
Christian Del Bianco, John Hassa, uh Thomas Temple, guys, yeah, around that age. Christian's Christian's okay. He's an okay but, lacrosse player. Yeah, you know he he was okay at the box to shoot on. You know, <laughs> going better, but you know, he he did well. Was was he always that good? Uh, even yeah. even even when he was young. Yeah, for sure. I think I think my first year I played with him was novice, and or maybe Wee, but he was always getting called up to like older teams, like Bantam Midget, and always just you know doing well for them too. So he's he's always been our go-to goalie. And it amazes me honestly how great yeah. he is. <laughs> Has it ever gotten to his head? You think? Has he always kind of still been the same person though? Uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, we talked about the the pipeline of Coquitlam players, and one of that I've gotten um, very akin to knowing is uh, Luke Anton Giovanni. I know you have a very strong relationship with him, um, but I've known him since he was uh, a pee wee coaching against him. Uh, he's going to UNC. He's going to be part of the next group of kids. What do you like yeah. about his game? Oh, he's uh, you know, full intensity all the time. He's very aggressive, you know. He uh I don't think he can do something slow motion. You know, he's he's always going fast, which is awesome. And when we had him there in two thousand eighteen in the Minto, you know, he was I don't I don't know how old he was, if he was sixteen or seventeen, but you know, he, he came out full speed, going up in their best players, you know, Jesse and the you know, wasn't afraid of anything. So, you know, it's hard to find that in someone that young too, to not be afraid of you know, great players. That's something awesome about him. Yeah, I think he was last second year midget. His last year midget after we played them in provincials, and he had gone right on to playing right to you guys for for the Minto. He is going to be an absolute treat to watch. But so are you once you get into the NLL. And I know there's a lot of teams contacting you right now as we get closer and closer to the draft. How are those talks going? And have you had secondary and maybe tertiary tertiary interviews with some teams? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've talked to. A few teams had a couple second toss with them. I think they're all going pretty well. Uh, I'm just excited for you know September 17th and you know see what's going to happen and uh, is, you know have a have an idea of where I'll be after I graduate too. Yeah, that that's a huge part. But do you have a, an inkling of where you might go within those top few picks? Uh no, honestly, I'm not. I, I don't know for sure where I'll be at all. So you know, I think it's up in the air, which is kind of exciting too. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. When you talk to these general managers, and I'm sure they probably ask you these questions, what are your strengths as a player and what are your weaknesses? Yeah, um, I'd say my strength, one being my mindset, uh, my mentality, but also loose balls and, you know, kind of being able to play anywhere on the floor. I feel like I got a pretty good lacrosse IQ. And then weaknesses, my my shot from outside the arc, you know, could use some work, more of an inside finisher, but yeah, you know, that that will get better soon. Well, the good thing is we don't have the arc in box across, so there's no two point shots in the NLL yet. Yet, at least. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you uh, you, you tweeted out uh, a little while ago that you'd love to play in the PLL, um, and I'm yeah. sure everybody kind of feels that way watching what Paul and Mike Rabel have done with that league. What about it? Did you enjoy watching uh, during the championship series this past couple weeks? Oh, I mean, just how talented all these players are. You know, some of the creativity or creative things that they do on the field is just so fun to watch. And, I'm, you know, lacrosse is like my passion. I just, 
you know, I love watching it, being around it. So mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity to watch these great players, you know, do their thing, you know, I, I'm having fun and you know, I want to be around it. So, yeah, it was, it was just a great series. Love the competition. It's been so nice now, like, we haven't really had sports with the cross in a while. So it was nice to finally see that. And on TV, too, which is kind of new. That is a huge bonus. More eyes uh, mean more interest. When when you watch those guys playing, who's the guy that you're like, man, I'd love to be able to, to go up against that guy? Mm, go up against that guy. Uh, like, I mean, you think you're going to shut down Lyle? You think you're going to shut down uh, maybe like uh, a Garnsey or, or Schreiber? Well, I, like you look at those guys, like I'd love to go against those guys. Well, it's like I was thinking, you know, field cross, I'd be playing off- on offense. Oh, yeah, so right, yeah. You guys may be going against, you know, like Tucker Durkin with him being my coach at school there. Yeah. Kind of fun, yeah. But uh, to defend, I don't, I don't know if I want to defend any of them. Like, <laughs> actually, but, no, I feel like a Josh Byrne or something. Yeah. Matthew or Rambo, he's a big guy. I think I'd rather go against guys who are not as fast, but, you know, because I'm not the fastest dude, but I can you know, hopefully match up with them well. Absolutely. Um, we had we had Trey LeClaire on the show last week uh, just doing this prospect watch, and he's a guy that you've had to go up against many, many, many times during the BC yeah. summers. Um, what are some of, his, some of his strengths as teams get prepared to draft him? Uh, I'd say just his outside shot and how much power he has. Obviously, a great athlete, too. So, you know, fast and strong, you got to be aware of that. But just, you know, you, one thing that we always focus on when playing against him is, is his shot. So mm-hmm. you can't really give him any time and space. you got to be on his hands at all times. But, you know, it's hard to do when he's so fast. So, yeah. But, no, great great player. Hard to play. We, we are a few weeks away from September 17th, the NLL draft. Your name will be called very early, I'm sure, my friend. I appreciate the time. Uh, stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the summer on the coast. Safe travels back to Drexel. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon, man. Congratulations and best of luck. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's Reed Bowering from the Drexel Dragons and the Coquitlam Senior Adnax. And yes, a three-time BC Junior A Defender of the Year, having only played 47 regular season games. Now, I pose the question sort of rhetorically to the Twitterverse of how I wanted to ask Reed that question. You know, his answer was, I have no idea, and I have no idea. And of course, Coquitlam comes to his aid. And they say maybe it's because the same reason he was a three-year captain of the Adnex. Now, I am not discounting the leadership and skill and play level of Reed Bowery. Because, as I have said, he is an absolute stud and will be a day-one starter in the NLL. But let's look at the 47 games that he played during the regular season in junior lacrosse. His first year, he played eight. The only year he played almost a full year was his second year when he played 19 games. The following three years, he played seven, seven, and six. And in the year that he only played six games, he was a first-team all-star, best graduating player, and best defensive player. 
it's just absolutely phenomenal that he can play at that high a level and get that amount of recognition in such a short window. But it just goes to show how talented this kid is. I look forward to when he gets in to the National Lacrosse League. I would love to see him play in the PLL. Fans that haven't seen Reed Bowering play are going to be thoroughly enjoyed by what he does. I kind of asked him who he likened himself to, and he, and he said a guy like Challen Rogers. Yes, he may not be as physically big as Challen Rogers, but kind of plays that same style of high-energy, fast-tempo, physical, defensive transition. And then you can rely on him to go down and set up your power play if you needed him to. He may not be as tough as, but I kind of like the way he plays similar to Andrew Suter. Small, physical, in-your-face, can pick up the best guy if he has to, can be counted on both sides of the ball. When I look at the number three spot in the Vancouver Warriors, and this is probably going to be the first real big coin flip of the draft because everybody feels and thinks that Ryan Smith goes two to Rochester, which would leave Henrik, LeClaire, and Bowering sitting there for Dan Richardson. And then two of those three are sitting there for Pat Merrill. And then one of those three is sitting there for, or for Kurt Miloski and Mike Board. Like, it's, it's crazy, but I'm getting off track. As much as Dan Richardson knows Jeff Hendrick from his time with the newest senior Salmon Bellies, I don't think they can risk going into their first first-round pick since Cody Bremner and use that pick on an Eastern guy when they have two homegrown talents staring them in the face. So let's weigh the options. Trey LeClaire versus Reed Bowering. Trey LeClaire, a big, strong, physical, right-handed player. And Vancouver needs right-handed shot. Desperately. And they need it in a hurry. And the fact that Trey LeClaire is as big a presence as he is, is going to thoroughly help them out. Keegan Ball was having a fantastic year for Vancouver. If you now add Trey LeClaire to that offense, he has somebody to work with. Nothing against Jordan McBride, nothing against Joel McCready. But Trey LeClaire is head and shoulders above those guys at what he does best. He's not a McCready type player, he's not a McBride type player. But he is going to be their biggest threat on that right hand side if they bring him in. Now, one of the knocks on Trey LeClaire is that maybe at times when the stage is the brightest and the biggest, he takes a bit of a backseat. But I think he can grow out of that. And I think once you put him in a system like an NLL system, like a Chris Gill system, a Caleb Toth system, we are going to only see Trey LeClaire get better and better and better at the highest level. They will not go wrong if they choose Trey LeClaire at three. Now, Reed Bowering. 
plays defensive transition in the box game, plays attack at Drexel. Can play either side in the indoor game if you need him to. And with Vancouver's offense being the way it is structured around Logan Schuss and Mitch Jones and Keegan Ball, having a two-way versatile guy like Reed Bowering will give them the focus on the defensive end that they need. Because that is an area that they need the most help. And I think that if they can put in strong defensive pieces that give them a bit of added offensive flair is going to help them. Because they're getting Mitski back, or they're getting Mitski, period. They'll get Bilich back, and he can kind of run both ways, but he's more of a D-Tranny off guy, whereas Bowering can play D-Tranny and stick. Derek Lloyd, D-Tranny and get off. But if they can have the odd guy that can play D, play O, and stay, that is definitely going to help them. And I think that... Matt Beers is going to be the captain for this Vancouver Warriors organization until he is no longer with the organization. It's his to lose. But Reed Bowring can be the guy they groom to be the next Matt Beers for 10 years captaincy down the road. Who do I think they go with? I have definitely flip-flopped on this pick a lot. But knowing how important offense is... And knowing how dire they are to have a secondary weapon for Keegan Ball. I think it's Trey LeClaire that goes number two. I want to say they take Reed Bowering. But I have a feeling that Dan Richardson will take Trey LeClaire. One, because he's a big right-handed shot. Two, he's a former New West Junior Salmon Belly. And if that is the case, and it goes Teat, Smith, LeClaire, San Diego then has the choice between Reed Bowering and Jeff Henrik. That is not a terrible place to be. And when I spoke with Pat Merrill this week, he said, you know what? I said, you know, who would you like? Who would lean towards? He goes, obviously, any of those top five guys, we're happy with whoever we get. And we're at the mercy of the first four teams, or the first three teams. So... We'll just have to wait and see. Same with Calgary. They'd love to get any of those guys. But by the time they get to the fifth pick, a lot of those guys are going to be gone. So it's going to be a very, very interesting draft. If you need to brush up on your draft prospects, I got the place for you. It's the lacrosseflash.com. The lads are doing a lot of work, breaking down a lot of the top 30 prospects in this upcoming draft. I believe we're releasing 30 prospects in 30 days on our socials, but Austin Owens is working on every player that he can to break him down. Offense, defense, goaltenders, whatever. Check out lacrosseflash.com, not only for prospects breakdown. But make sure you go and get yourself some merch, an oh my goodness t-shirt, or maybe a big team guy. I just picked myself up a lacrosse, fly, a lacrosse flash hoodie. There's lots of stuff in there. So uh, if you're doing some shopping, online shopping, support the boys at the lacrosse flash and get yourself a 
t-shirt, a hat, maybe even a bomber jacket. And you can be as high school cool as Tyson Geik. Before we get out of here, there have been some moves in the National Lacrosse League in the last little few days uh, since we spoke last. Nothing major uh, it has happened. You know, we had that big rush of free agency right at the start of August. It's kind of tapered off a bit, and I think it's going to slow down as we get closer to the draft because now teams are just going to have to settle in, see where they're at, look at their draft board, look at their roster board, see what's what. And so now they can kind of start to look a little longer term, start to sign guys, and that's what we're seeing. San Diego signs Jeremy Noble to a two-year deal and Curtis, Curtis and Casey Jackson to a three-year deal. Georgia Swarm signed backup goaltender Kevin Orleman to a one-year deal. Rock signed Zach Manns to a two-year deal. Aaron Forster, Josh Jubinville to two years. Rochester signs Rowan Kelly to a two-year deal. And Buffalo shores up backup slash third-string goaltender Devlin Shanahan to a one-year deal. So that's where we're at right now. We have till September 10th when players have to declare their eligibility for the National Lacrosse League draft. And then once we get to that point, we'll know everybody who is going to be eligible. There are many draft lists out there right now with hundreds and hundreds of kids on on them right now. And there'll probably be a few more added to that list and a few that I'm anxiously awaiting because... If Patrick Dodds enters this draft, he could throw a wrinkle into the middle of the first round. Just keep an eye out. He opened everybody uh, everybody's eyes at the Minto as a second-year junior. He is a big-bodied, soft-handed, great-shooting, fleet-footed right-hander. And teams will be, will be elated to have him. And craving to get him because he may not be a guy for right now but he will be a guy in a few years to come my name's teddy jenner you can find me on twitter at off the crossbar on instagram otcb podcast or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com next week another prospect another week closer to the nll draft stay safe share your smile with a stranger and be excellent to each other I-